if you ask me, Lil, how could we prevent your prophecy from happening? What's the solution, Lil? You, you're scaring me. What's the solution? Well, I will say this. When it's time to negotiate the new CBA in 2030, that's where the NFLPA can save the day. It starts by removing the franchise tag and not agreeing to it. It starts by negotiating a hazard pay bonus for the running backs who are indeed in a hazardous position. Okay. And if the NFLPA will not flex their muscles in 2030 during the next CBA to prevent the extinction of the running backs, then there will be no more running back. And that's my take for 99. And that is my take for 99. And since that take, Jonathan Taylor had a lot to make. He made a lot of money, you know, three year, $42 million extension, you know, and we're going to talk about that right now, but I do stand by my prediction. You know, I, I really do, but we got to talk about Jonathan Taylor right now as once again, three years, $42 million extension. Now, Zach, does this deal change the landscape of the running back market? Yeah. Well, so it's interesting over the course of the last few weeks, my opinion has changed a little bit on this topic and I'll start off by saying this, right? Like, I think, first of all, Jonathan Taylor, you know, getting the contract, getting the money he was uh, desiring over, uh, throughout the last couple of weeks, you know, good for him. You know, it's always good to see a guy in his position who's been a really good player over the course of the last few years get paid, especially when he's at a position that isn't really known, especially recently uh, to getting that kind of money. And I think it's an interesting conversation when it comes to the overall value of the running back position, right? Because I look at the Giants as another example, right? And this was really the first situation where it opened my eyes to this. It's like, man, anyone who watched the Giants, not only last year, at times this year, but recently, like Saquon Barkley is the guy that really makes their offense go. And without him, we're seeing it. Like they are just a completely different offense and he's the most valuable piece. So in that instance, this past offseason, if I were the New York Giants, looking back, like the move was probably just to lock Saquon up and franchise tag Daniel Jones, because it's clear without Saquon, this Giants offense is just totally different. You look at the other team in town, the New York Jets, right? They were five and two last year to open the season before they went to Denver in week seven and Brees Hall blew out his knee and he was just out for the year. And that completely changed the Jets season. They were a different football team after that without their go-to bell cow running back. You have other guys like, you know, Derrick Henry. If you were to take him off the Titans, they would just be a totally different team. We spoke about Christian McCaffrey and how right now I would consider him, if I had a vote, to be the MVP front runner because since he's gotten to San Francisco, this offense has just looked totally, totally different. So I do think when you do have, in those rare instances, running backs that are just clearly the best and most focal point of your offense – they are worth paying and they're worth giving that money to. But then at the other end of the spectrum, it's interesting. Like literally the week after Jonathan Taylor gets paid and he plays on Sunday, Zach Moss for the Colts just continues to ball out. And that's a guy that they got in a very low key, you know, trade when uh, Buffalo swaps him and Naheem Hines. You know, we've seen countless examples of teams that lose their starting running back, bring in another guy and the drop off isn't that big. So I'm just curious to see like how this ages for the Colts. I'm very happy that Jonathan Taylor got his money. He's worked very hard for it. He's a really good player. But at the same time, like Zach Moss has been really good for this Colts team and he's been making an impact. And I think they could be a solid one, two punch down the line. But if you're a Colts fan watching Zach Moss just go crazy again on Sunday, 
I'm curious how you're thinking about this Jonathan Taylor deal, because especially after he really struggled last year, like this would have made a lot of sense if the Colts were to pay him two years ago after he had that breakout season and was looking like not only one of the best running backs, but one of the best players in the league. But last year he really struggled. And so far this year, you know, he's only played one game, whatever. But the point is Zach Moss, a guy that they kind of got out of nowhere, has been looking really good. So I think each situation is different. There are some instances where it's clear, like a Saquon Barkley, like a Brees Hall, that, okay, it's probably worth it to pay these guys. But at the same time, like, I don't know if the Colts would fall into that category considering Taylor's really struggled last year and Zach Moss has looked really good so far. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's going to impact the landscape of the running back market because the running back market is different from the quarterback market. You know, when you talk about the AVA, which is, you know, annual value average, right, that always increases after a quarterback gets paid. So, for example, you know, you got one quarterback that gets paid, then the next quarterback is probably going to top that. That's how the quarterback market works. It goes up. With the running back market, there is a trend in the sense that most of them either get tagged or they get one-year deals, but there's always an outlier in the couple years that go by. There's one outlier, and Jonathan Taylor is a guy you're looking at as the outlier because he's the first guy, I believe, in the last two years to get a deal averaging more than $10 million per year for a running back. So clearly, it's an outlier of a contract, and I don't think it's going to change a lot more going forward. And I'm going to tell you why this scenario is different and why I disagree. I actually think they should have paid John Dentil in this scenario because when you look at everything that's going on on with AR-15, you know, a quarterback that they're ushering in, you know, he started the year, you know, but we're talking about three injuries in five weeks. And the way how they running him recklessly, they're actually running him into the ground. And that's supposed to be their investment long-term investment that eventually if he's that guy they will pay when that time comes now it's like okay do we continue running him into the ground we talking about concussion we talking about a knee injury that was minor and now we talking about a shoulder joint injury that is going to keep him out for a couple weeks okay fine they actually paid you know um john Tiller for the record before he got hurt with the shoulder that's important why because we talk about okay I could actually run my running back into the ground and pay him a little bit more. Because clearly, when you talk about contracts, right, what AR-15 is going to get is going to be in a different stratosphere from what this rinky-dink contract is. Now, it's not rinky-dink from a running back perspective. That's like, yeah, hell yeah, give me $42 million to be a running back in the NFL, today's NFL. I'll take it. But from a quarterback perspective, comparing quarterback to running back, it's rinky-dink. I just pay you $42 million to run you into the ground so I can keep my quarterback, who I'm going to invest more money in, upright. So even though I got a guy like Zach Moss, yeah, I'm going to run the hell out that football. So even if, you know, JT clearly is going to start, he's going to get the majority of the reps as he eases his way into the flow of the game. But Zach Moss is going to get his touches. I don't think he's going to be buried on the depth chart. He earned it. I'm just going to run the ball. I'm going to be a run first team. This way, I don't have to run my long-term investment into the ground. I pay you a little extra so I can make sure that when it's time to pay him, He's upright and healthy. That's one um, way to, of looking at it. Another two, real quickly, Zach, before I pass it back to you, is that the rookie quarterback, clearly. I mean, let's go back to the rookie quarterback. That's the rare instance where the situation's lined up. 
You're ushering in a new coach, new quarterback. That's why they paid this running back, even with the success that Zach Moss has had. And also, he applied public pressure. So when you talk about the Zoom meeting that didn't go well, look at Saquon Barkley. He deserved it. He deserved the one-year contract because he caved. Immediately after that Zoom contract, he was the first one to, to cave. Yeah, I'm out of here. Give me that one-year deal. Then shortly after that, Jacobs did the same thing. Give me that one-year deal. Eckler, Ben got that one-year deal. Now we have to do the same process over again next year, which doesn't make any sense. So if what happened to Nick Chubb, knock on wood, happens to Saquon Bartley when he returns or Austin Eckler or Josh Jacobs, then they're going to be ass out, right? That's the risk when you're playing a risky position to play on a one-year deal is that there's not a guarantee. First of all, even if you are healthy, you are another year removed from your prime. Why would I pay you now? Why? If I didn't pay you back then, why would I pay you now? So I don't like that. Jonathan Taylor was the only one out of these guys at the Zoom meeting that said, you know what? Hold up. Y'all can cave. Go ahead. I'm actually going to request a trade and put public pressure on the coach who's ushering in a rookie coach, a rookie quarterback, and it worked out for him, and that's why he got paid. Now, for these other guys that's on one-year deals, maybe Eckler, I think if you ask me today, I think Eckler may, may, because he does a lot more as far as catching out of the backfield. He's going to be more important to this offense. If I'm Eckler, upon my return, I'm trying to get that contract because Mike Williams is out of the picture, right? The Chargers still got championship aspirations. They just paid Justin Herbert. He's not getting any cheaper. He's going to get more expensive. I'm more valuable to this team upon my return coming from injury. So, yeah, you either got to pay me or if I come back and I ball out, I'm paying for something on the back end. He has an opportunity to get with Jonathan Taylor got. I know about the rest of these guys. I think it's an outlier, and that's how I answer the question. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point with Eckler. It's funny. I was just going to go, like, the same direction with Barkley. Like, if you're Saquon and you see the way the Giants have looked on Sunday and throughout the course of the season, like, it's clear the season is going nowhere. Like, would you even want to come back? Like, is he even – worth that risk it, it, like you said if you know Nick Chubb that freak situation that could happen to anyone at any time like if you would you want to take that risk like I, I don't know the one example here is I didn't think the Giants were good with him on the field anyway and that was evident when they got steamrolled against the Cowboys when they had to come back against the Cardinals whether he was on the field or not on the field the Giants are lacking resources around the quarterback the offensive line stinks I think it's bigger than Saquon Barkley although I do think he's a vocal point of this offense right so if you're him like why would you want to come back like yeah I, I wouldn't come back from him yeah I agree so that so that's the predicament I think a lot of the the team and, and the owners are in like I do think it's interesting in, in and man, like, you know, we're going to, we, we might get into the giants a little bit later uh, in a, in a the Caleb Williams topic, but it's like, man, w without him, like it's becoming very evident, you know, just how valuable he is to the team. But like the giants just paid Daniel Jones a ton of money. Like, I, I don't know if they'd even want to sign Saquon and lock him up. And I definitely think he's a candidate to get traded if this continues and uh, the season, you know, just keeps falling apart. Yeah. And that's why, because think about it. Right now, Eckler and Saquon Barkley is not playing. They shouldn't have played. They should have took the route that Jonathan Taylor took. Now, I'm not saying it would have guaranteed them anything. Nothing is guaranteed when you don't control it 
right? When you don't control the check, nothing is guaranteed. But it would have been a step. You're not playing right now anyway because you got hurt. So you could have missed how many weeks Eckler missed? He only played week one, missed four weeks. Saquon Barkley missed the last two to three weeks or whatever. They shouldn't have played. They should have held out, you know, until they can. Maybe they would have had to come back eventually. They would have probably got fine or whatever. But they should have started the year holding out like JT did and applied pressure for the Giants to cave because now we don't have that sample size of the Cowboys where we got smoked with you on the field. We don't have the, you know, um, sample size of us having to crawl our way back from a tanking team in the Cardinals who, with all due respect, they're not really trying to tank. They're trying to compete hard. But still, my point is, is that what if you never showed up and the Giants look this bad? Then it will actually be a more clearer depiction of, yo, we really did need Saquon. And they probably would have paid you. You know, so that's why I think Jonathan Taylor got his because he worked for it. Yeah, the situations had to align. I get it. But, yeah, he wasn't taking no mess. He was like, listen, trade me. And he got his deal, and he got one of the most egotistical guys in um, freaking, what's the guy's name again, man? Um, What's his name again? Ursay. And Jim Ursay, the cave. This guy's an egotistical guy. They got He got him the cave. So I thought they should have did more and not get frustrated at that Zoom meeting and settle for these one-year deals. And now this is a golden opportunity for both Eckler and Saquon to um, try to put some pressure on the Giants and the Chargers. One last point on this, and, and I'll say, like, I know I brought his name up before, but, like, man, I want the Jets should pay Brees Hall right now because it's clear the value – to that uh, this guy has to the team and they're just a, a different team without him like having that guy a home run threat coming out of the backfield he really is showing like okay in some certain instances like the running back position is really worth it he's one of those guys where on Sunday you just felt like man he was just so close carry after carry after carry to breaking one and uh, going all the way and that's ultimately what happened at the start of the second half but uh yeah a guy like that who when you have a quarterback that isn't really the focal point of your offense that is just you know trying to give the ball to his playmakers like Brees Hall, uh, McCaffrey, Barkley, a lot of those guys have been showing their value and uh, that's really in some instances like where my opinion in some ways has shifted on this topic. One last point and I'm pretty much done is I always thought that was overblown the value part of the topic like i understand why you know you don't really want to pay a running back right first of all you're gonna have to pay your quarterback somebody's not gonna get paid you're gonna look for that position that may not be as valuable to a quarterback right like a running back whatever because you could you know you got guys like a chain and um even the dude jaleel mclaughlin right we share the same name right you know coming in there looking good but it was it's more about the injury risk. It's about the hazard. You know, um you have the examples, right? You know, Todd Gurley, um yeah. all, all of these guys, uh Zeke signing the big deal in Dallas. Like, you know, there were a couple examples that happened like really close to each other that kind of, you know, drove these teams away from from really uh signing them. Yeah, it's the injury history and they decline faster. And that's why I think if anything something should get taken you know, as far as how to fix that in the beginning, like how to, you know, um, get a hazard pay upon signing the contract, a, a hazard bonus or whatever, when you sign that contract because of the back end, we know you're going to decline. But I disagree with the value. Running backs are valuable to their team. Like we can sit there about the longevity. I get that part and I get the other part about the injury history. But when they're on the field, they are valuable. And that has always been the case. 
You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, you don't need a thousand yard rushing to win the Super Bowl, but Pacheco had a hundred yards in that game. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's overstated as far as the value to the team. The running backs are valuable. They get you the short yards. They get you in the end zone when you're at the goal line, right? Those things matter. So people try to talk about the value. I think it's in the wrong direction. If you want to look at it from longevity, injury history, I 100% agree. But as far as the value, they are valuable. Maybe not as valuable as an offensive lineman. Maybe not as valuable as a wide receiver. Maybe not as valuable as a quarterback. In some instances, they are. Giants is one of those situations. Yeah, it's funny, though. You bring up Pacheco. Like, it's it's funny. Like, the Chiefs, you know, they took a running back in the first round, like, a few years ago that just busted. And then they draft Pacheco in, what, like, the sixth or seventh round? And all of a sudden, like, he's doing exactly what they thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire was going to do. So, at the same time, like, when you spend premium assets like a lot of money on running back, like, it could blow up in your face. Kind of like mm-hmm. what happened with the Jets and Le'Veon Bell. Kind of like what happened with the Rams and Gurley. You know, I, I just think they're like very specific uh, scenarios like Saquon, like Hall, like McCaffrey. You just have to be very smart with it. Yeah, I think a lot of this is um situation. You know, you got to look and evaluate your team. If I lose this guy, if he holds out, then my team will not be good. I'm trying to contend. A lot of it is situational. But I do think that if anything, we shouldn't get the investment and, um, you know, taking running backs high in the draft and confuse that with why you don't pay running backs. Because even though A-Chain and, you know, Jaleel McLaughlin or low draft picks and, you know, Pacheco is a low draft pick, they still is a running back. They still are running backs at the end of the day that's giving you production, whether they was drafted in the first round or the sixth round. That just tells you that you don't, you know, draft those guys high. But longevity is one thing of the position. It's not a long-term thing. It's three to four years. And that's why most of these guys, these teams, we shuffle running backs. That's how they do it. Yeah, I bet the Dolphins are pretty happy that they uh, decided to pass on Dalvin Cook. But yeah. um, one last point I wanted to bring up on the Colts. You know, I've spoken a lot about Taylor and everything going on with him. But I just wanted to say, man, like, I've been very impressed by them throughout uh, the first five weeks of the season. Like, I think right now they're one of the more underrated teams in the league. And I think, like, if they were doing this – Exactly what they were doing now. If they were doing it last year when they had Matt Ryan and like those high expectations going into the season, I feel like people would just be talking about them way more. But it's just the fact that they're doing it with, you know, a first year head coach, a combination of a rookie quarterback and a journeyman quarterback. That's like why they're not really getting a ton of attention. Their offensive line, which really struggled last year, is playing really well. And I just feel like there's a lot of football left. And I've just been very impressed by the way this team has been playing. Like, I think Shane Steichen is really building something. And next week, you know, it's crazy. They're going to be playing Jacksonville yeah, for the first second place. Time, uh, for, yeah, for first place. And, and, like, that's kind of a house money game for the Colts. Like, they never win in Jacksonville. I know that Jacksonville went into their house and beat them week one. But we both even said it. Like, there's no way the Jaguars don't win this division, right? Like, if the Colts – Go into Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars on Sunday. Maybe we're singing a different tune. You know, it's looking like Minshew is going to be starting in that game. I bet he's going to want some revenge on his former team. And uh, I know we did our quarterback rankings at the start of the season. It's always, like, a little hard when you have a quarterback competition. Like, who are you going to rank? So both of us decided to rank Anthony Richardson ahead of Gardner Minshew. But, like, Gardner Minshew is one of the 25 best quarterbacks in the league. And when he's out there, you're going to have a chance to win. Yeah, I think a couple things. When you talk about why a lot of people are not talking about the Colts, is because 
they are sneakily going under the radar. Like, for example, when you look at C.J. Stroud and the Texans, we see this rookie quarterback whom a lot of people doubted, right? The consensus was, okay, you really want to go Bryce Young. Then you probably want to go AR-15. He offers you a lot of upside. C.J. Stroud doesn't. But when you look at the games, C.J. Stroud, by far, is playing the best out of any of the rookie quarterbacks that was drafted in that class. And that's why they are being talked about a little bit more as far as the impressive games that he's able to string together. Throwing 300-yard passes, you know, uh, passing yards, excuse me, a game. And the wide receivers that they have and Tank Dell and um, Nico Collins. And I think they're being more, you know, okay, I, I see what you're doing. With the Colts, they are winning games in very unorthodox ways. For example, you have AR-15 playing one week. Then it's Gardner Minshew coming in relief when he goes down. And that's like a two-quarterback system when you think about it. And we all know in the NFL, you have a two-quarterback system. You don't have a quarterback. But in this situation, it's, you know, situational. Why they have a two-quarterback system. Also, they have a two-running back system. Zach Moss has been carrying the bulk of the workload when JT was out. Now JT's back in, and Zach Moss is still killing it. So you have two running backs that's, you know, 1A, 1B. You have two quarterbacks. So you're winning games. It's like, hi, that's not how it looks in the NFL. But the NFL changes, and they are winning games. And Stane Steichen is doing an amazing job. He's showing why he's a very good play caller. And I think this week is a golden opportunity for the rest of America to wake up if they win that game against Jacksonville because they will be in first place. And now we definitely have to talk about them going forward if they win that game. Please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We're, we, you've been slinging shows left and right, slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. It's, all ideas are great ideas. Nothing's a dumb question.